Troy's gone to do a special job, so Evan's got to help me with the microphone. Thanks, Evan. Now, Troy's special job is today, uh, even though we're approaching Christmas, we're having a bit of an Easter theme, so the reading was just on the resurrection, uh, and you get like a show bag, like you do at the Royal Easter Show. It's even got a lolly in it. So there you go. But I'm going to ask you something right now. If you've taken the lolly out, that's okay. But please don't look in the show bag. That's hard, isn't it? Especially when it's see-through bags. But um, don't look in. Don't get distracted. I, at different points in the talk, I'll ask you to take things out to look at, okay? So, uh, but don't get distracted now. Uh, they did this to me this morning. Can I get a show bag, please? So I know what I'm pointing people to. There you go. There you go, and you got one straight away. Those who give, anyway. Uh, <laughs> all right, are they still going out? All right. Okay, I'm going to pray and then we'll get going. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for our church. We thank you for the joy and privilege it is to be a part of your family here. Uh, and we pray now as we think just for this one week about uh, what it is that we're on about as a church and in particular as we think about our plans for next year, uh, we pray uh, that you will help us to never turn aside from that wonderful gospel that we believe and we preach. So we pray now that as I uh, open this part of the scriptures, uh, that you'll help me to preach faithfully, uh, but we also pray that you will convict us all of its truth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I learned something new this week. We uh, went to get some new keys for the building here, as in not new keys, but cut keys for the building to give to people. Uh, and what I learned is when we got back to the church, the new keys didn't work. Uh, and so we had about, how many keys did we have, Rick? We had about five keys that just weren't working. Uh, the key they were cut from works, but the keys that we cut didn't work. So here's a, here's a picture of the keys. Uh, hey, it worked. There you go. That works. Um, so you see, they look exactly the same. No difference. But the first key, which I think the, the one we got them cut from on that side, I think, uh, it works. This one doesn't open any doors at all. Now, what I learned, you probably think is obvious, but remember, I have no idea about things like this, uh, and that is you should always get your keys cut from the original key. Always go and get your key cut from the original key, because what happens is uh, that, you know, when you get one cut cut, one key removed, it works fine, that's okay, but there's little imperfections on it and little extra bumps and little extra nicks in it. And so when you get your second, still works, two keys removed. Third key, it's a bit tight in the lock. Fourth key, it works if the humidity's right and it's at the right temperature, <laughs> you know. Fifth key, doesn't work at all, okay? So I've given you a lesson in how to get your keys cut now. Now, why am I sharing that, besides to share that I have no idea? Uh, it's the same with church. Over time, as a church, you just start doing all sorts of things. It's just, that's what our church does 
but it's really important once in a while to go back to the original, to go back to the original key and say, hey, is everything we're doing in line with what Jesus wants His church to do? And so every year we do that as a parish twice. And the two times we do that, the first is in March when we have our parish big day out. And that's where people from all six of our congregations come together. We study the Bible together. But really, it's a bit of a celebration of all that God is doing in us and through us at St. George North. So the first thing I want to share with you tonight is to get the date in your diary for the big day out in 2019. It's Saturday the 23rd of March. So can I ask you, every year I ask, that is the one date I want everyone in our church to be at. Uh, Not just... We were obviously on a Sunday, but besides our Sunday service, that's the date I want everyone at our church to be at. Now, don't go into your bag yet, but in your bag is a sign-up form for the big day out, and you can sign up tonight. So, you know you're going to be there, so just sign up tonight. Either fill it in or go online and fill it in. So, that's the big day out coming up in March next year. But also, the second time we do this every year is in November... And it's that Sunday of the year is tonight where I take the chance, just one Sunday, to visit all of our congregations and just remind us of what we're on about and talk about the plans for the year ahead. And that's tonight. And the passage I've chosen is really sort of like going back to the original key. Uh, so every year I pick a passage like Colossians 1.28 that just reminds us that what we're on about is seeing people presented mature in Christ or, or Ephesians 4 that reminds us that we're, we're a part of a body and we've all got a part to play in building one another up, or Matthew 28 and Jesus' Great Commission. Well, tonight I've chosen the other Great Commission. It's Luke 24 and it's the words that Jesus shared with His disciples in between His resurrection and before He ascended to heaven. So it's really important stuff because it's where He gave His church, which is us, our marching orders. So let's look, Luke 24, open up your Bibles again and go there now. So where are we? We're in the days after Jesus' crucifixion and if you remember, you all know the story, his disciples were an absolute mess at this point. They were terrified because their Lord had been crucified, their teacher, their rabbi had been crucified so they were worried, well, are they going to do the same thing to us as his followers? More than that, they were lost because this person they had invested their whole lives in was gone. So, you know, they'd given three years or more of their life to following, to learning from this man and now he was gone, they had no idea what they were meant to be doing and even though Jesus had said, I will rise from the dead, they thought that was him sort of being mystical and and metaphorical and they didn't understand what he was talking about and it's really important to understand that, dead people didn't rise then either, it wasn't like the soul was saying, oh Jesus is risen from the dead, that's interesting, you know, that's really, no, they couldn't believe it either, so even though he'd said, I'm going to die and three days later I'll rise, they thought, what does that mean? Who knows? But then now, some of them saw Jesus uh, and He appeared to the women, first of all, and, and what was very quickly worked out was the tomb was empty, there was no body in that tomb, so something had happened. Then He, he appeared to some disciples on the road to Emmaus, uh, but they couldn't work it out because their mind was telling them, dead people don't rise. So here they are, gathered in a room, when suddenly Jesus is standing there, right in their midst. Uh, Now, just think how you would have reacted at that point. Uh, I think we would have reacted just like them. Uh, So how did they react? It tells us they were startled, they were terrified, they thought, is this a ghost? Not because they believed in ghosts, but because that was more realistic 
in their way of thinking than a dead man rising from the dead. But Jesus dealt with all their fears and he dealt with all their doubts. But it's interesting how he does that. He doesn't do it with soothing words. He does it with physical evidence. So he shows them his hands. He shows them his feet. He he let them touch him. He said, look, ghosts don't have flesh and blood and bones like you can touch of mine. And he even ate with them. I think he was probably hungry, that's probably why he ate, but I think it was also so that they saw the fish did not just sort of fall out on the floor. Like it would if it was Casper the ghost in front of them, that sort of idea. This was a real and living physical person. This was the Jesus they had known for all those years, but now the one who was dead is alive again. And then he spoke to them. And they're so important because these are the words he wanted to leave with them, if you like. So look from verse 44. It says, then he told them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms, that's the the whole Old Testament, he's saying, that everything written must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. He also said to them, this is what is written, the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day. He basically did our introduction to the Bible course with them. That's what he did. He went through the whole Old Testament. Wouldn't it have been great to be at this Bible study? He, he went through and he said, look at how the whole Old Testament is pointing forward to and is fulfilled in me. But what he especially was showing them was how all of history is pointing forward to him, because the Old Testament was history up to that point. He's showing them everything of God's plan for the world has come together in me. Every promise God has ever made is fulfilled in me. And in particular, he showed them how it is fulfilled in his death and his resurrection. So he would have shown them passages like Isaiah 53, you know Isaiah 53, that talked about this this one whose death would pay for the sins of others. He would have gone back and he would have opened up the book of Exodus and the book of Leviticus and he would have pointed out how all those sacrifices of animals they used to make were all pointing forward to him and how his sacrifice, his death on the cross was paying the price for the sins of all humanity once for all time. And then he would have gone to passages like Psalm 16, our first reading from before, that talked about how God's Holy One would not see decay. And he would have pointed out how that showed that he was going to rise from the dead. He would have gone to Psalm 110, he would have gone to Isaiah 35, would have gone to all those places. But especially what he showed them was how this event, his death and resurrection, how it changes everything. That's what he showed them. And that's the first point I want to make for us tonight. And that is, we live in the light of the resurrection of Jesus. All of history is basically divided before the resurrection of Jesus and after the resurrection of Jesus. And to understand this time we live in now, you need to understand that we are after the resurrection of Jesus. Everything we do, you as individuals, but also us as a church, everything we do must be shaped by the resurrection. If you think about it, the death and resurrection of Jesus is why you're here, isn't it? Unless you've been invited along by a friend and you don't quite know why you're here. But, but for the rest of us, the reason you are here is because Jesus died for your sins. He paid the price for your sins. And in rising from the dead, Jesus was declared in power to be the Son of God, the Lord of the universe. And more than that, in his resurrection, Jesus was defeating death. If Jesus had not risen from the dead, if if his resurrection is not true, 
This is all a waste of time. Go out, go out and eat and drink and be merry, for tomorrow you die and there is no hope and there's no future. My whole life is a waste if Jesus had not risen from the dead. But because he has risen, our life has meaning. We have hope for beyond this life because we too will be raised. And that fact, more than any other fact, must shape everything. As individuals and as a church, it gives us our reason for being. Why are you alive now? You live now to serve the risen Jesus. That's the whole point of your life, the whole point of my life, the whole point of all of our lives is to live now to serve the risen Jesus. You see, you pay me so that I don't have to do other work. I, I get the great privilege of telling people about Jesus full time, with all my time, but just because you do other jobs doesn't mean you are any less a full-time minister of the gospel. You, I hope, live your whole life to serve your risen Lord. I hope that's the truth for you. But more than that, the resurrection changes the way we view this time we live in. Uh, we do not live for this world anymore. The resurrection tells us this world will pass away. Our hope is for the future because we look forward to the day when we too are raised from the dead. The New Testament calls Jesus' resurrection the first fruits. And what it means is it's just the first of many to come. And our hope for the future is that we too will be raised with Christ to live with Him for all eternity. That's why the Apostle Paul, one of my favourite Bible verses in Philippians, he can say that for him to live is Christ and to die is gain. See what he's saying? He's saying, if I get to live now, that's great, I get to serve Jesus. If I die, that's great, get to go to be with Jesus. But either way, I win. And either way, I win because of the resurrection. So that's my first point. Everything we do must be in the light of the resurrection. My second point, and that is the resurrection, it's very related, gives us a reason for living. It actually gives us our most important thing that we do. So look again from verse 46. He also said to them, this is what is written, the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. It's because of Jesus' death and resurrection that forgiveness of sins is available to all people. If they, like I pray you have, if they would just repent, if they would just turn and trust in Jesus, if they would just change their mind and change their direction and turn and trust in Jesus. And so the job of God's people in this time is to make that news, to make that offer available to all people, to proclaim that message, to invite people to turn and trust in Jesus. There are all sorts of things that God desires for us and for His church. God desires that we love one another. God desires that we serve one another. God desires that we glorify Him in the, in the way we live our lives. But fundamental to what we do, the task Jesus has given us for this time is to proclaim Jesus, that all people might have the chance to find forgiveness. The reason this time exists between Jesus' first coming and Jesus' second coming, the entire reason it exists is for proclaiming. 
Now, we will all have different parts to play in that. Some people are gifted to preach to thousands. Other people are gifted to quietly witness in their workplace. There's all, we all have different parts to play, but all of us are called to proclaim Christ. That is the reason this time exists. The reason Jesus has not returned is not so that you can get the job you want. The reason Jesus has not returned is not so that you can visit all those places you'd like to visit that you haven't got to yet. The reason Jesus has not returned is not so that you can build up a property portfolio. The reason Jesus has not returned is not so that you can get married or do whatever else it is you think you want to do with your life. The reason Christ has not returned is so that repentance for the forgiveness of sins can be preached to the whole world. So that people can come and find salvation like we have found salvation. Now I want to pause at that point and I want to share some things we're planning for next year that flow out of that, uh, out of the fact that we live to serve the risen Jesus and then that we're called to proclaim Jesus to the world. So firstly, I want to talk about gospel teams in term one and you get to open up your bags. Some people were already going there. They were disobeying me. The yellow form, don't take any others out, just the yellow one. Okay. Gospel teams, our midweek small groups that for most of us here are on a Wednesday night, uh, they are so important. I often call them, when we have our welcome afternoon tea, and I'm explaining to people, I call them the lifeblood of our church. So if you're not a part of a gospel team, even for the last three weeks of 2018, join a gospel team, all right? Uh, they are the place where we get together, encourage one another, read the Bible together. You're all reading your form. Put your eyes up here, please. Come on. Put your form down. Come on. Now, despite how good gospel teams are, for term one next year, we're doing something slightly different. For you at 6.30, church, it won't be a lot different. You'll just come here at the same time on a Wednesday night. But instead of breaking into gospel teams, we are going to have, we're going to bring together people from across all six of our congregations so that we have older people and younger people, younger people and older people, I can't think of any other ways of dividing it, you know what I mean? We're going to have people from right across together thinking about how we can encourage one another and equip one another to serve God with our whole lives, just for that seven or eight weeks in term one. Then we'll go back to gospel teams in term two, uh, back to normal. But in particular, on a Wednesday night, there are four groups, four courses that I want you to decide which one you want to do. And I want you to go, there's no logic to this, to the third one first, if you look on the back of that form. And you'll see the heading there, do you think you're an evangelist? Now, every, I just said, every Christian is called on to proclaim Christ. But there are some people here, I'm not going to tell you who you are, you've got to work it out for yourself. There are some people here who are just really gifted evangelists. There are some people here who just naturally, you know, whenever there's a Christian explain course, they're there with someone they've invited along. Whenever there's an opportunity, there's someone they've invited along. And, and so I want to get together all the evangelists of that sort in our whole parish to think together about how they can better be, serve one, uh, one another and serve other people in leading us in evangelism, okay? So that's for people to think about. If you think, you know, that's me, I think I might be an evangelist, and if I think you are and you haven't signed up, I'll come and have a chat with you. Uh, but that's what that one is. The next one down below, building the body, is for people who think they might be gifted in pastoral care, in, in bringing the Bible to bear on people and visiting people and encouraging people and all those sorts of things. And so it's going to be a group that get together to think about biblical pastoral care. Okay, so that's those two courses. 
Then there's going to be two others. So the, the top one there, knowing God, theology for life, that's particularly thinking about learning Christian doctrine, but thinking really practically about what that means for living in the world today. Uh, so that course, uh, Cole Marshall, some of you know at our morning congregation, he's going to be running that one uh, and really thinking about what, what theology, learn theology from the Bible, but then think about how does it practically apply to persevering as a Christian in the world. And then the, la- the last one, which is the second one in the form, digging deeper into the Bible, uh, that is where we're going to study a book of the Bible together, but particularly think about how do I read the Bible? It's amazing how many times I talk to people and they go, I really want to read the Bible, but I find it hard. So we're going to have sort of practical help in how to read the Bible, but also it's a win-win because you also just look at a book of the Bible together. Now, on the nights, we're also going to break into our normal smaller gospel teams to pray for one another, to care for one another and those sort of things. But that's what we're going to be doing in term one. Uh, Now, if for some reason you really can't make Thursday night, there are other options there on the form or you can write down the bottom uh, other times you can make. But here at 6.30 Church, generally, we all make Wednesday night. So I'd encourage you. Uh, So can you, don't do it right now, though you can do it before the end of tonight, you could fill that in if you already know what you want to do or you can pray about it and think about it and then you can fill in the form online or you can uh, bring in the paper form and hand it in. So that's gospel teams in term one. Next thing I want to talk about is something we're calling at the moment Life MTS. There's this funny thing that happens in, uh, at St George North uh, which is I come up with a really bad name for things, everyone laughs at me and then no one comes up with a better name. So at the moment, so gospel teams, they all laughed about that. And it's still gospel teams five years later. But Life MTS, anyway, if you can come up with a better name, that's great. So you guys know a little bit about MTS. For years we've done MTS here and it's been great. Uh, we're mainly younger people do a two-year apprenticeship in ministry. So at the moment, Natani and Rick and Jess have been doing that. Uh, they're coming to the end of that. Uh, and the idea is that is for people thinking about going into full-time Christian ministry. So after the two years, sometimes people go off to more college to continue training. Other times they go back into the workplace, uh, but they're better equipped to live to serve Jesus uh, and so forth. But MTS can seem like a bit of an all or nothing thing. You know, we're taking two years out of work and not getting paid very much. You can ask those guys how much they get paid later. But, uh, it, you know, is a massive thing. So it's someone, you've got to really be thinking, am I going to be a missionary or am I going to be a, a preacher to do MTS? Uh, but we want all Christians to be trained and equipped for service of Jesus. That's what we want. Uh, and with the way the world works now, some people are able to make flexible decisions about their work. Uh, and so we want to offer a program for people who aren't necessarily thinking of full-time ministry. If you're thinking of full-time ministry, this is not for you. Come and talk to me about MTS. Uh, But for people who are thinking, no, no, I I think I'll probably just keep working as a whatever or doing whatever, but I would love to find ways to grow and serve, Uh, that's what this is for. So who are we thinking of this for? We're thinking of people who might be at a point in their work life where financially you could work four days a week instead of five, you know, or something like that. Uh, In our morning congregations, it might be for people approaching retirement and thinking, do you know what, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? I could do this as I get near retirement. Uh, For mothers who who don't have to go back to work or perhaps might only go back part-time. And the idea is, what we're going to do is work out a a tailored training program for people in that situation and it will involve training, it will involve study and it will involve ministry opportunities and experience. 
Uh, now, the reality is many people have done this already. Uh, we've had loads of people do this. But we actually want to invest in those people rather than just have it say, hey, you can teach scripture, that's great. But actually invest in people making this sort of a decision. So if that's you, if you think, do you know what, I'd be open to that. Can I encourage you to tick the uh, box at the bottom of your yellow form, if you look there, that just says, I am interested in Life MTS, please contact me to talk further. Uh, you are not signing up for anything, ticking that box. Uh, all you are signing up for is for me to call you and say, hey, let's get together and talk about that. Uh, so if you think that might be of interest to you, uh, then tick that box. One third thing on that topic, uh, one area where the parish council has agreed with me that we need to invest more in is in women's discipleship and training, especially here at 6.30 Church, uh, and we have this enormous opportunity here. And so in 2019, Jana Kalurus is going to be coming back on board with her. There's a photo of her, for those who don't know Jana. So you'll know Jana did this role in the past, but then had her third child, Stefan. Uh, well, Jana's coming back on board two days a week, although it's not really two days, you know, it sort of goes over Wednesday nights and all sorts of other times. Uh, but she's going to be coming back on board and doing that. So please be praying for that. Uh, and her role is going to be basically focused here in this congregation, training and discipling women. Uh, so please be praying for that and also supporting it, which we'll come back to later on. But now, come back to Luke 24. Set aside your yellow sheet and your bags. I want to make a third point from our passage. Look again from verse 46. Jesus also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name, to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Those four words are so important, I think. To all the nations. Our gospel is for everyone. Just think about it, the task Jesus has given us is massive, isn't it? Not just proclaim Jesus to those around us, but to all the nations. It took those first disciples a really long time to get that. If you read the book of Acts, even though he told Peter and the other disciples, hey, the job is to take the gospel out from Jerusalem to all the nations, it took them ages to work out what that would look like. And it was only once Paul got converted that people suddenly realised, oh, that means actually leaving where I am and going and telling other people who aren't like me about Jesus. Do you know, the interesting thing is, in every age of the church for the last 2,000 years, people forget that. And people start thinking church is just for people like them. And it takes often people to sort of knock that out of them to realise, no, the gospel is for all people, for people from every nation. And it's because of this we send missionaries, isn't it? You see, because we believe people in Paraguay and Tanzania and every other nation on earth need to find the forgiveness we have found, that's why we keep supporting world mission. I want to encourage us to keep supporting world mission. But we have a special opportunity. We don't have to go, though if you want to go, come and talk to me. Uh, and We'll talk about sending you as a missionary. But we don't have to go because by God's sovereign hand, God has brought the nations to us. We are one of the most multicultural areas in one of the most multicultural cities in the world. And so we don't even have to walk outside our suburb to be able to preach the gospel to people from just about every nation on earth. 
And I know I've been banging this drum for the last two or three years, but we need to keep devoting more than our normal amount of time and resources to cross-cultural mission here, where we are. Uh, and that's what's been so exciting about the slow but steady growth of our English for Life classes this year, uh, and especially the way that has led to people doing Easy English, Christianity Explained, uh, and Bible study, and then joining our church. If you ever want to be encouraged, just come along to the 10.30 service on a Sunday morning and meet the number of people who have joined our church in the last year and have come to know Jesus because they came and did an English class here and then they did Christianity Explained in easy English and now they're coming to church and often they don't actually in the end lead to the growth of our church, that's no great problem though, they lead to the growth of the gospel. I got an email this afternoon from a lady in China who was only in Australia for a year and she became a Christian here through English for Life and now she's back in China as part of a house church in a little city, well little city is probably bigger than Sydney that you've never heard of and I haven't. Isn't that wonderful? And so my hope is that in 2019 we can really grow that ministry and I want it to be a major focus and again by God's sovereign timing and by His grace we've got the opportunity to do that next year. You're now going to have to bear with me as I go through how our staff team is going to change next year to make that, make us enable to focus more on that. As you know, I've got pretty pictures of everyone, as you know Sarah, there's Sarah, our children's ministry has been called to an even greater ministry next year. Uh, she has been called to the ministry of motherhood uh, and so she'll be stepping aside as children's ministry, as children's minister to be a full-time mum which is the most wonderful use of her time, in my view. Uh, we also have our three MTS apprentices finishing up next year. Uh, and so we're going to take this opportunity where there's those changes to reshape our staff team. Firstly, we're going to reallocate Kevin's role. There's Kevin, everyone looking sharp. There you go. Uh, Kevin is, uh, is going to move to a split role so half of Kevin's time next year will be overseeing our children's ministry across the parish. So Kevin has been the 9am pastor here in this building uh, and involved in other ministries of that sort, but next year half of his time will be overseeing our children's ministry and half of his time will be coordinating and expanding our easy English and cross-cultural evangelism and ministry. So I'm really excited about that, so pray for Kevin as he makes that change. But then to replace Kevin, I've invited this person, who some of you will know. Uh, so that's Mike Leach and his, I can't name all the children at the moment, Emily and their four kids. Uh, now, Mike was with us as a student minister several years ago. For the last three or four years, he's been at Engadine Anglican Church working there. Uh, but I just have this deal where uh, the very best of the student ministers who go through our church... I make sure they're always happy to come back when we need them and so Mike has heard the call and uh, he's going to return and join our staff team next year. He's going to be working particularly with me at our 9am and 10.30 congregations here at Carlton. Uh, he'll be here as a part of 6.30 church as well and he'll really also be involved in that evangelism uh, group in, in term one so be praying for him in that. Uh, and as I say, I think this is a real win-win because Mike will invest in a lot of discipleship and so forth and pick up some of those things Kevin has been involved in, uh, but Kevin will be freed up for those other roles. And because of those other adjustments, it's financially possible 
for us at this time. It's funny how God works like this, how God just makes it possible at a particular time and it's possible right now. Now, there will be a lift, uh, especially putting Jana on as well. That's like really asking us to step out a bit. Uh, and so, if I can get you now to take out the orange form out of your bag of goodies. The blue form is your big day out form, don't forget to fill that in. But the orange one, uh, the thing is, if we could raise before the end of this year an additional twenty to $30,000 to put on Mike and Jana, it would actually mean we're in a really comfortable position in terms of our offertories going forward, in terms of uh, the bump we need next year. So if you're excited about these, if you're excited about Jana and the work she'll do in women's ministry, if you're excited about what we're going to get Kevin doing in terms of cross-cultural and Mike coming on board, can I ask you to prayerfully think about whether you might be able to make a, an extra contribution uh, to help make that happen? Uh, so that would be wonderful. So I'd ask you to pray about that, think about that. You can do it online or use the form, but that's what that form is about. But now as we close, come back to Luke 24, because Jesus did not just give us the task of proclaiming Him to the nations and then say, I'll leave you to it. Uh, look at verse 48. So verse 48 of Luke 24, Jesus said to them, you are witnesses of these things and look, I am sending you what my Father promised. And He says, as for you, stay in the city until you're empowered from on high. So what, or more correctly, who is Jesus talking about there? Who is this one who will come to empower them? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. See, the, the first apostles weren't to do this great task in their own strength. It was only as Jesus sent the Holy Spirit that they were empowered to preach the gospel to the nations. And it's only because you have the Holy Spirit that you have come to know Jesus. And it's only because His Holy Spirit is at work in you that you have the strength to serve Jesus. And that's just a little reminder to us that we can have all the best plans and intentions in the world. We can plan great things about what we're going to do as a church. We can talk all we want about how our church glorifies God, how we want to proclaim Jesus, how we want to serve, how we want to grow disciples. We can talk about that all we like, but it is God who must do the work in us and through us. And it's only by God's power that anyone comes to faith. And it's only by God's power that anyone grows in faith and anyone lives to serve Him. And that means the most important thing I want to invite you to do for your church tonight is pray for your church. So as we look forward towards 2019, can I ask you to take the opportunity to, if you've never done it before, to commit to praying for your church, for many of us, to recommit to praying for our church. And in particular, I'd ask that you pray for these new initiatives, pray for the things I've talked about tonight. But more than anything, pray that God would keep working in us and through us to bring Him the glory. That's what we want for our church more than anything else. So I'm going to lead us in prayer right now. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for the joy and privilege it is to be a part of Your people here. We thank You for each and every one of these brothers and sisters in Christ who we have the opportunity to encourage and be encouraged by. And we pray as we think towards 2019 that You might really work through our efforts. In particular, that we might really see many, many people from every tribe, nation and tongue come and join us in worshipping our Lord. And for all of us, Father, help us to live to serve our risen Lord. 
And we do pray especially for Kevin as he takes on this new role, for Sarah as she goes to become a mother, for Jana as she takes on the new role here at 630 Church and for Mike as he joins our team. We pray for them all, uh, that you will strengthen that, them for that task, but more than that, we pray that you will use them to grow disciples of Jesus here and right across our parish. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.